everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, Us Kids These Days. I am one of your hosts, Annalise Janke. And Mustafa Manir. And today we are joined with a couple brand new members to our hub that we would love to introduce to you guys. So um, my name is Anna and Quinn. You guys want to say hi? Hi. Hi. <laughs> so basically today, um, Mustafa and I are just going to go through and ask them some questions just so our audience gets to know our new members a little bit. Um, and we will also have some um, an additional member who will be joining us later. Uh, Pete and Evelyn are also, um, they are behind the scenes for this episode, um, but they are still involved as well. So they will uh, be with us next time. So with that, I think we'll just go ahead and jump right in. Um, so we kind of already covered the name part, but our first question is, what is your name and age? So Anna, do you want to go ahead and start us off? Sure. So, hi, I'm Anna, obviously, and I'm 17 years old. I'm about to turn 18, though, so very excited to be a legal adult. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Quinn, what is your name and age? Uh, Quinn, also 17. I'm going to turn 18 like a month and a half, so I'm going to buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> oh, I did the same on my birthday. It was very nice. fun. I didn't even think about that. I should have done that. <laughs> Alrighty, so our next question um this is going to be a little bit different for each of our new members they're in different situations for this one so where are you going to school and then if you are going to college what are you studying so anna you want to start us off sure so i'm going to be attending indiana university in the fall and I'm planning on studying international law and institutions, um, and then hopefully minoring in French. Oh, interesting. Sounds fancy. All right, Quinn, what about you? Where are you going to school? I mean, I'm sure we all um, Yeah, I'm going to be a, a senior at Fisher's High School, so no major, just doing what I got to do. <laughs> That's fair. I guess, Mustafa, you and I can answer this one, too. So do you want to answer this question? Well, I am also going to Indiana University, like most of us. And uh, of the odd one out of the bunch, I am doing neuroscience and pre-med with a minor in anthropology, hopefully. You're doing a minor in anthropology? Yep. I mean, I want to do, like, ooh, (laughs) fancy. Yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah, I'm doing a minor in anthropology also at Indiana University, um, and I'll be majoring in international studies. So similar-ish to Anna. (laughs) All righty. So now we are going to get a little bit more focused on Youth Action Hub. So um, Anna and Quinn, uh, kind of what piqued your interest in Youth Action Hub? Like what made you want to join? Um, yeah, so I had the opportunity and it was such an exciting time um, to do a podcast episode with you guys earlier. And I believe we talked a little bit about the coronavirus and then also like elections um, during our podcast episode. Um, and I was introduced to it through Annalise. And so after doing the episode, I was like, wow, this is so fun. And it's a ton of people I like um, who are talking about topics <laughs> that really interest me. Um, So after that, I was kind of like, I guess I'm going to stick around and um, then, you know, applied to be a member of the Youth Action Hub. And it's been a very exciting process ever since then. So, 
Yeah, for me, um, it was really the connection to the United Nations that interested me. I've been doing um, model UN since freshman year. So being able to, even if it's a small part, to kind of be involved in something that I've been interested in for so long was a really exciting opportunity. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. And a really cool part is that even though technically we've been doing the hub for a year, you guys are still really getting to come in whenever things are still really just getting started and all of the hubs are still figuring out how to do things. And um, so it's really awesome that we all get to kind of be a part of shaping, you know, what is the youth action hub experience and uh, the kinds of things that we get to do. Uh, Really all of us are getting to create that. Um, So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. That's a good segue to our next one for both Anna and Quinn. What are you guys most excited about moving forward with Youth Action Hub with this, you know, unprecedented times in the next, uh, I guess, not academic year, but Youth Action Hub year? Um, Well, one thing that I think I'm like particularly excited about is I know we have plans to branch off and do more and kind of give back to the community, specifically the city of Fishers where we live. Um, And I love that a lot of it's focused on education and engaging um, like younger people. And so I think that it'll be a really nice way to kind of combine the love of like where I live and um, just how much I love Indiana, which is kind of maybe an unpopular opinion at times. Um, And also getting to discuss and learn more about the topics that interest me. Um, I know that Jackson, one of the members, is already working um, with the Youth Action Hub from India. Um, And I think it's like experiences like that and getting more young people involved and learning about things like this um, that are just like the perfect way for us to get to give back to the community, even though we're still in college or in high school and can't do quite as much as if we were an adult and, you know, financially on our own. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm excited to see like what you know positive changes we can bring to the community specifically um i believe it was somewhere in that powerpoint we looked at about like trying to bring like a policy plan to uh mayor fadness and the city council i'm excited to see you know how that works out um because you know i'm interested in you know make really like making that you know positive community change um so if we're able to do that or even you know give it a a good old college try that's something i'm really excited for Yeah, I mean, those are fantastic answers. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, And yeah, I think Mustafa and I can both attest to this. You know, this first year was kind of just getting started, but hopefully we can really start to take some action and use the hub to uh, make some real change in our community. Um, Yeah, so we're excited to have you guys. Okay, we have our... Final question, which this one, we're probably going to have some bulk to it um, because there's going to be a bit that we're going to cover. So kind of to start us off, what has been the best thing about quarantine so far for you guys? Um, So for me, I'm very surprised to say this, but getting to spend um, more time with my mom, even though we kind of irritate each other (laughs) often. It's just been really nice because she, I feel like she's working all the time. And in high school, I didn't even realize how busy I was. I was just really never home. And so it's been kind of nice. I feel like we've become really close and I've gotten time to catch up and actually like talk to her about the things she's been working on and um, kind of what we want to do in, in the 
uh, upcoming year when the virus is better (laughs) and, you know, getting ready for college. But it's just been an awesome experience to get a little bit of time with my mom before I leave and um, have to kind of start doing things on my own. So that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I couple, I have like a couple of things. One, like, I, I think I kind of learned some things about myself. I wouldn't have otherwise, like kind of what I prioritize in my life. Like I knew I was an extroverted person, but I did not know I was this extroverted <laughs> until I was legally obligated to stay in my house and not see anyone. So it kind of helped me realize that like the, like a lot of the people in my life are, you know, kind of, uh, you know, that important to me. Um, but also I like just having time to do things like I always said I would do. Um, but you know, I'm also, you know, crazy busy most of the time. So, I mean, like, I don't know if this is really like that much of an achievement, but I think I binged like six shows on Netflix and spent like two months. <laughs> That's And I mean, but it's stuff I wanted to watch. <laughs> so, um, and then I finally, I finished like a book I was reading and, um, yeah, I don't know, just, you know, stuff like that. That's wonderful. And I'm totally with you. Like, I'm a very extroverted person. And whenever I found out that we were going to be in quarantine, I kind of panicked. And I realized very quickly how important, like, (laughs) my friends are to me. It it was a little bit of a shell shock. But then, I mean, you kind of learn, like, uh, well, FaceTime became, like, my best friend, (laughs) especially during, like, the really, really, like, high lockdown quarantine months. So, um, I mean, yeah. we're probably going to have it again. So We definitely are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, best thing, I had my sourdough phase, like a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> eventually gave up because I, I was not responsible enough to care for that, let alone like a child or anything. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I've made pizza. I've made a lot of like cookies, brownies, whatever. Uh, and then, you know, just like, you know, ending the school year with quarantine meant that it was probably the easiest part of high school ever so (laughs) hopefully college doesn't start off without motivation but very true yeah I think uh I can't believe I'm about to quote the Kardashians on here but um I think that it was either Kendall or Kylie that was like this year is about like realizing things and (laughs) as much as I absolutely (laughs) that I kind of feel like it's a very accurate description of 2020 like all of this like people wouldn't have gotten into sourdough and like some people are like really getting into baking most of all I tried to make sourdough too it lasted for like a month and then it died uh the start oh, mine, mine was a week mine was a week not even that oh, week. they say a broken clock broken clock is right twice a day <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah um but like people wouldn't have figured that out I know that for me this quarantine was like very important with figuring out some stuff having to do with like mental health and it was a really um kind of coming out of high school with like very intense things going on all the time all of my testing got canceled which was amazing um yeah it's just been I'm, I'm hoping for all of our listeners that as hard as it's been that we're all kind of able to find some sort of bright spot in all of this make the best of it yeah Alrighty, so with that, I think we're about wrapped up with our interview portion, and we will um, 
also be adding on our interview with Jackson separately. Um, so stay tuned for that. But I think we that is all for right now. Welcome back, guys. Uh, we just had a short little break to splice in another one of our uh, hub members. Uh, he will introduce himself with the number. first question. What is your name and age? So my name is Jackson Bell. Uh, right now I'm 17. We're recording this the 13th of July. On a, I'll actually be 18 in one week's time. So I'm 17 awesome. right now. Happy early birthday, man. Thank you. All right. So number two, uh, where are you going to school? And uh, you're going to college like most of us. So what are you studying? So I'll be attending Indiana University uh, in Bloomington. And there I'll be studying law and public policy. And I'll be pursuing a certificate in labor studies and a minor in political science. That's fancy. I'd love to see it. (laughs) All right, so number three, what piqued your interest in joining the Youth Action Hub? Well, I think it's really the legitimacy that this this agency has um, in being coordinated and helped out by the United Nations. In past, when I've uh, wanted to pursue political action, it's mostly been through my own, my own means that don't relate to uh, a figure, an organization that has very much authority. So I think the connection with and the privileges that we have because we have those connections with the United Nations are what piqued my interest. Oh, yeah. And, you know, both of us, since we've done Maudio when, like, you know, it's just mm-hmm. kicked off the model part. Now it's, you know, the real deal. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Number four, what are you most excited about moving forward with the Youth Action Hub? in these, you know, unprecedented times and this upcoming, I guess, uh, Youth Action Hub year? Yeah, I think what I'm most excited about is being able to pursue direct action as a philosophy in praxis, if that makes sense. Like, it's it's nice to be able to think about politics all the time, which I'm going to be a law and public policy major. Like, that's what hopefully my job will be is dealing with politics and, you know, changing policy and that kind of thing. But it's, it's really important for me and my values to be able to directly act on uh, making the world a better place rather than waiting for it to happen via electoral means or just waiting for other people, other organizations to do it. So I think that's what I'm most excited for is being able to have much more of an impact on a direct level on an individual level that's awesome it's also pretty admirable of you um now hopefully we can give you the opportunities i know pete's really good with getting connections i can even help you out in your you know future career after college mm-hmm. all right last one bit of a fun one what's been the best thing about quarantine so far for you for me the best part of quarantine has been just the absurd amount of time that I have and what I've been what I've been lucky enough to be able to use that time for is I've read so much more during quarantine than basically the last like three to four years of my high school experience. <laughs> I've been able to read and listen to books via Audible and YouTube and other auditory methods, but being able to listen to political theory from Barry Goldwater to 
Rosa Luxemburg, like it's it's really been able to uh, help me shape out my political opinions and how I think that I can best make the world a better place. And so I'm really grateful to have that opportunity to be able to understand a little bit more about the world around me just through the readings and the understandings of texts written by others. Well, at least one of us is doing something productive. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It was nice having you on. Uh, We'll probably be having the next segment of this in the same episode. So stay tuned guys. And we will be back shortly. Unfortunately, there are not many good news stories that come out of Afghanistan, but this story is sure to give you something to smile about. In the city of Herat, Afghanistan, a robotics team of seven genius girls have been building ventilators for their local hospitals that have been tragically undersupplied in this time of the COVID-19 pandemic. Their open source mobile ventilators cost only $700 to make and can run on battery power for up to 10 hours. We are delighted that what we were able to that we were able to take the first steps in the field of medicine and to be able to serve the people in this area as well, states Somia Farki, an 18-year-old member of the robotics team. All members of our team feel happy because after months of hard work, we were able to achieve this result. In 2017, this robotics team was able to travel to Washington, D.C. to compete in an international competition for robotics and they won the silver medal for their achievements. After this success, the team traveled to Europe and won the biggest robotics festival in in Europe. After their incredible success, it is inspiring to see this team use their talents to help others in their community. Well, in this crazy coronavirus time, um, my good news story that I would like to add to the ranks uh, is one having to deal with animals. So um, we keep on hearing, or at least I keep on hearing in the news um, and really anywhere, even logging on to school, I hear, oh, well, these are unprecedented events, but this is a really positive unprecedented event. Um, Animal shelters and adoption programs all over the U.S. are experiencing um, a brand new phenomenon. Um, So animal adoptions uh, due to shelter-in-place orders are absolutely shooting through the roof as families decide to add a free friend to their family and bring um, a little bit of joy into their lives in this otherwise scary time. Um, And so shelters are even, in some cases, going completely empty, which is really positive. In some cities, rates of fostering animals have risen by 90%, which is a great alternative to adoption. Um, Still inviting that, you know, new little furry friend and and possibly adopting later, but, um, you know, providing a home and providing a space with love uh, for these animals that might be in a shelter with limited resources during this time. Um, 
And then for shelters that are not seeing these massive adoption spikes or fostering spikes for whatever reason, uh, their communities have been stepping up to provide their shelters with uh, support and supplies and donations. Um, And so while this spike of adoptions is clearly beneficial to animals in need of homes, it is also really, really great for the families and people making these adoptions. So um, kind of the first main group that this is really benefiting is people living on their own who are isolated from others and are unable to experience human touch um, on a regular basis or at all. That can be really detrimental to the human psyche. Um, This puts them at risk for depression and loneliness, uh, which in older adults has even been linked to early death and Alzheimer's, according to a researcher, uh, Sandy Branson. Uh, And having a pet at home uh, to pet and play with and kind of just have a presence there really combats that. Um, And then even for families quarantining together, even if they have people around, um, a pet can offer some much needed change in routine and entertainment as well as those mental benefits. Uh, My family has even joined the ranks of those adopting puppies and I can attest that life has become much more interesting after introducing our little ball Kevin, (laughs) our little ball of energy Kevin into the family. So While COVID-19 has wreaked havoc on so much, it is really nice to remember that this is also providing homes to animals who need it and companionship to humans who need their pets just as badly. Hi, it's Anna, and my good news for today is about how um, the Irish are actually helping native peoples in the United States. So, in 1847, the Choctaw Nation set aside its own impoverishment and suffering to make a $170 donation to victims of the Irish famine. The tribe had suffered grievously during its Trail of Tears, which was a forced relocation to Oklahoma. And so they empathized with Irish people enduring misery and starvation more than 4,000 miles away. And today, they're giving back. The generosity left a lasting mark on Ireland which currently remembers that donation through art and commemorations. But now Irish people are reciprocating by donating to a fund for Navajo and Hopi communities that have been hit by COVID-19. In fact, the Irish have actually donated more to our own native peoples than our own United States citizens. I think it's amazing to see that unification and I hope we can push through the virus together. Hey guys, this is Mustafa Manir. I am here with my very short uh, good news story for this podcast, and it's about this new uh, APP gene. Uh, well, the gene itself was not new, but it has a new purpose, and it's been found to be linked to the onset of Alzheimer's uh, for preventative um, research, but also the promotion of Alzheimer's and further development in an individual's uh, brain. So this was found through a cell model comparison, and that was done with those with differing amounts of this gene. So that was done through a comparison of those with Down syndrome and Alzheimer's and those without Down syndrome and Alzheimer's because uh, this gene exists on the 21st chromosome, so they use that extra chromosome to see and isolate the purpose of that gene. And because there's a linkage found, uh, this gene is yet another step on the long journey to fully understanding the workings of Alzheimer's and hopefully future prevention, or maybe uh, right now, just slowing down the promotion and development of Alzheimer's in an individual. 
Uh, finally, I'd like to say that there's another piece of good news uh, once we're looking at the big picture of COVID with Alzheimer's is that nursing homes and memory care facilities have been very steadfast in wanting to keep their facilities closed. They closed way earlier than schools and whatnot in our area, uh, Fishers. Um, but also, you know, the government, you know, with all of their, um, you know, not the best decisions on COVID-19, that was probably one of the better things of making that early priority to close those because of the um, high amount of at-risk population in these uh, homes. The last four and a half months have been categorized not just by the COVID-19 pandemic, but also by the extortion of those who were unfortunate enough to be given the title of an essential worker. Now, while much lip service has been paid to these workers' sacrifice, the employers of these essential workers have done little to nothing to ensure their material interests are better. With unemployment ever rising, those who employ workers during a pandemic have little to no incentive to raise the wages of these workers, as with eviction numbers for renters ranging between 22 and 58% depending on the state, according to a Household Pulse survey, there are more than ever who are willing to replace them. So, fast food workers are in fact at higher risk of replacement than they ever were pre-COVID. Our country has not provided hazard pay to these people and is about, and actually has at the time of recording, stopped the little amount of safety net that they have in the increased unemployment benefits. The essential worker faces cognitive dissonance like no other. On one hand, the symbolic applause of washed up plurocrats, and on the other hand, the complete failure of their employers and their government to support them. In the richest country in the world, in the richest country at any point in civilization's history, America has failed its workers on all accounts. But despite its failures, America's workers refuse to die quietly. Organized labor's slow and painful death has been occurring for centuries, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The percentage of those in unions has been cut down to a third of what they were in 1945, Today, only 10.3% of Americans are in a union. Private sector unions are even worse for wear. If you work in a private industry, there's only a 6.2% chance that you work in a union. So, on to the good news. Despite the tragedy of labor's conditions during coronavirus, the current situation has caused a resurgence in both union membership and activity. The Guardian reports on a union organizer who has seen membership triple during the pandemic. Many gig-based workplaces like the grocery pickup service ClickList have been newly unionized, and in March there was a mass strike of several essential workers' unions. The future of unionization is bright as well, with millennial workers being the most unionized generation currently employed, and their numbers still growing with 75% of new union members being under 35, according to the Center for Economic Policy and Research. Broad support of unions has also been increasing, with numbers as high as they were in 1999, at 64% support. Many non-trade unions, such as the Industrial Workers of the World, or IWW, have been increasing in support. This earlier mentioned organization membership has tripled, in fact. You see, an optimistic future for unionism is so fundamentally important to the working class in this country. 
Union workers make up 30% more on average than non-union workers. They're more likely to have pensions, and compared to 68% of non-union workers, 92% of them have access to job-related health care. Unions in America were also the main driving force for the weekend, the eight-hour work week, the end of child labor, and the better treatment of minority workers. The long and short of it is, if you enjoy your work at some point, at any point, to any degree, it is likely that that is caused by a labor union at some point in the past. So since we have this momentum, I would encourage those who aren't in a union currently to join one as soon as possible. Now, I understand most workplaces don't have established unions, especially to those youth that we're broadcasting to currently, so I would recommend the earlier mentioned Industrial Workers of the World. It's a month-to-month -month contribution, so temporary workers and students can join as well, and all may join as long as they work rather than own for a living. This membership is based on income, and for students in the underprivileged can be as low as $6 a month. And don't get the industrial part of the industrial workers of the, work, the world wrong. You don't actually have to be working in heavy industry to join. You, may, you can join the IWW at IWW.org membership. And in the strongest terms, I would encourage all those who are currently working to do so. Or, if you're well established in your workplace, organizing a union, a trade one, while difficult and inconvenient, are incredibly beneficial and perhaps some of the most important work a person can do right now. So uh, to conclude this piece please please join a union and if you don't end up joining a union uh, it's just as important to support others uh, in their fight for a more democratic workplace and a workplace that works for workers rather than employers. Thank you very much, and yeah, I'm Jackson, so it's nice to meet you guys. Hi, this is Pete Freeman with a good news update. I'm going to be reading from Isabel Gerritsen's BBC article, Why Bees Are Finally getting a break. While people have been confined to their homes this summer, wildlife has faced less human disturbance, traffic, and polluting fumes. In Israel, for instance, wild boar are venturing further into the city of Haifa than before, while dolphins are increasingly braving the Bosphorus, the Turkish narrows that normally serves as a busy shipping route. One animal that could see a much-needed revival is the wild bee, scientists say. Bee populations are rapidly declining around the world due to habitat loss, pollution, and the use of pesticides, among other factors. These creatures are vital to what we eat and what our countryside looks like, says Gil Perkins, chief executive of the Bumblebee Conservation Trust. They provide a whole ecosystem service, says Perkins. A world without bees would look very different and change our lives enormously. Bees are the world's most important pollinators, fertilizing a third of the food we eat and 80% of flowering plants. 
Bees and other pollinating insects have a global economic value of around $150 billion and contribute around $850 million to the UK economy every year. One of the biggest environmental impacts of the global shutdown has been the significant reduction in air pollution. Less fumes from cars on the road makes it easier for bees to forage, as air pollution substantially reduces the strength and longevity of floral scents, according to a 2016 study. Pollutants break down scent molecules emitted by plants, making it harder for bees to detect food. This means they often end up flying further to find food and bring it back to their nests. Ozone concentrations of 60 parts per billion, which the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency classes as, quote, low, was enough to cause chemical changes that confused bees and prevented them from foraging efficiently. In a world with less air pollution, bees can make shorter and more profitable, quote, shopping trips. And this may help them rear more young, says Mark Brown, professor of evolutionary ecology at Royal Holloway University of London. So the good news story that I have comes to us from the town of Sony, Georgia. Uh, it starts on a Monday morning when Mikhail Farrar, a FedEx driver, was doing his route when a young kid by the name of Cooper Morgan started to flag him down. So uh, Mikhail stops his truck um, and Cooper approaches, basically set, uh, holds out a skateboard and says, I need this to get delivered to uh, Tony Hawk. And, you know, of course, Tony Hawk, a very famous celebrity, so Mikhail is a little hesitant to say anything, but he uh, turns around and sees Cooper's mom basically give him the, you know, tell him it's going to get him, uh, yeah, make this uh, reality for him, uh, even if it doesn't actually happen. So Mikhail basically says, yeah, sure thing, Uh, you know, I'll be sure to mail this over to Tony Hawk. Um, But instead of just kind of, you know, putting it aside and moving on with his day, he really went above and beyond and made a TikTok essentially pleading uh, with the internet to get this message to Tony Hawk so that he can give, uh, so he can give him the skateboard and uh, hopefully get Cooper a response. Um, Eventually, that video did make its way to Tony Hawk, who made a video in reply saying that he was, you know, very thankful and grateful for Cooper's skateboard. Um, It was, in fact, going to send uh, a couple of skateboards uh, their way for Cooper and his brother. So eventually, Mikhail gets uh, gets those skateboards in the mail uh, and is able to deliver them to Cooper and uh, his younger, or his, uh, yeah, his younger brother, Tucker, who were very excited, very thankful. Uh, and the reason I chose this story to share is uh, even though it isn't necessarily something of monumental importance, you know, it's not going to have any super long-lasting ramifications on the state of the world or anything like that. It does go to show that, especially in, uh, you know, the, I hate to say these troubling times because we've all heard that a million times by now, but in these troubling times that um, a little bit of thought and consideration can really go a long way because, you know, those kids... Uh, they obviously, you know, looked up to Tony Hawk a great deal, and to not only get a response, but to get an actual, uh, you know, the signed skateboards from him, his physical item, that probably, you know, made their day, made their week, made their year, 
um, because that one FedEx driver decided to just do a little bit extra on his job that day to help improve the lives um, of his community, which I think is, even though this is a smaller, you know, more of a small scale story, is very inspiring to, um, to, you know, see given the situation that we're all in right now. So that story really brightened my day when I heard it, and um, I hope it does the same for all of you.